0: Over the past five or six weeks, we've been discussing uh, maximizing our impact in an increasingly post-Christian culture, and I just want to reiterate that things are not the same, and that may sound like Captain Obvious calling, but for many of us, we surround ourselves with Christians, which insulate us from the realities of an increasingly secular worldview and a shift of morality. But what we see, and certainly many of you see, if you have unchurched friends or hang out in the, the secular world a lot through your work, is things are changing. And what we've got to do is take an entirely new look at how we approach our faith and our collective ministry together. So th- there's a... There's a- Focal point in Scripture, Acts two forty-two to forty-seven, that we've used a lot through the years here. It really is part of the template of why we are who we are at TFRC, and we wanted to ask uh, Tyler Lassen this morning if he would be willing, and we already know he is, to stand up and read the passage for us. And, and for the rest of you, if you're able, what we do is stand face in the middle of the room for the reading of God's word because it's central to who we are as a community. So, Tyler, uh, when you're ready, Acts two forty-two to forty-seven. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and a fellowship to the breaking of bread and a prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily to those who were being saved. Awesome. Tyler, thank you. You can have a seat.
1: Yeah, last week we looked at uh, the challenges that we're facing, and and we talked about the marginalization of the church, that how in unprecedented ways in our country, uh, the church is becoming less and less relevant. Uh, We looked at some external factors, how we're losing our influence in our country and and how there's cultural antagonism towards us. But we also looked at internal factors, how uh, we maybe feel less responsible for the church and because or when we feel less responsible for the church, we become more critical. Of the church, or we have uh, more competing commitments, or we can write people off uh, and relationships. And so the church is marginalized from both the outside and the inside, like never before in our culture.
2: Yeah, and then last week we ended with the powerful picture that we see from what we just read, actually, in um, Acts 2. That the Acts 2 church made an incredible impact um, on the world, uh, growing from just a small group of people to um, hundreds and then to thousands and then really spread across the entire globe. And and the reason for this was the Acts 2 churches. Um, the, the, the reason they had such a powerful impact was through a few priorities that they really held to. They, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Really, we could read this. They devoted them to themselves to the words. Uh, they devoted themselves to each other. They were devoted to meeting, and they met often. They met in the temple, and then they met in their homes as well. They, they met always, and they never gave it up. And, and then we left off last week talking about how in the world we here at TFRC, how we can be an act to church. And as we look at the changing cultural landscape and the decline of the church's influence in our culture, it's not that we have to do something new. We don't have to compromise our beliefs or something like that. We maybe need to get creative about how we communicate some of those things. It's not that we need to do something new. It's that really we need to go back and do something very, very ancient, something old again, and recapture something uh, really of really the acts to church. And we really need to take the Acts 2 model and then really implant it here and then say, what does it look like in our culture to be an Acts 2 church? And we really ended asking the question, well, what does it look like? What does it look like for our community to look like a church like that? And then we left you on a cliffhanger. We did so purposely, and I see you're all back. It's good. Um, we, it, here's, here's what we've got, guys. Uh, we have some opportunities Um, And and we really laid it out this morning as four different opportunities. We have opportunities that we are going to prioritize and we're going to really capitalize on in the future, in the near future of our church. Um, From today on forward here at TFRC, what are we going to prioritize? You can see it on the screen. It'll pop up here in a second. We're going to choose to prioritize and communicate who Jesus is. That in everything we do here, from here on out, one of our main emphases will be on helping people know for the first time or for the thousandth time who Jesus is. And we don't mean just here. We also mean with our relationship to Jesus, um, that we can actually know Jesus in, in a personal way. Secondly, we're going to prioritize and communicate the transforming power of our faith. That in everything we do here as a community, we are going to facilitate and anticipate the spirit of God's power to transform each and every one of us as we grow in our faith of looking more and more and more like Jesus. That's going to be a priority. Um, we're going to prioritize and communicate that TFRC be a true community, a place where everyone can say that they belong here. That in everything we do, we're going to emphasize that we're no longer individuals in an individualistic culture, but that we are one in Christ and that that actually means something. And we're going to hold to that. And then finally, the fourth We're gonna prioritize and communicate a purpose for living in every single thing we do here. That we as a community become experts at listening to God's spirit to show us what in the world God has for us next in this world. That we are not our jobs or our grades, but that God has a greater purpose for each of us and God has a greater purpose for this community we call TFRC. Now, as you can see, these aren't terribly new things. It's really a return to something very, very old. These priorities are really, if you look at it, they're just basically the Acts 2 church, if you want to lay it out that way. And in our world today, these priorities are great opportunities to further the kingdom of God here in the Magic Valley and in Twin Falls in a way that we really haven't done before.
0: Yeah, I I just want to speak for a couple minutes on the who is Jesus priority. That's breathtaking, groundbreaking, isn't it? Who is Jesus? you know who Jesus is, everyone? Okay, are we okay? Can we move on to priority two? What's amazing these days is how many people don't know the Jesus story. Now, they hear the word Jesus often when someone pounds their thumb with a hammer at work. But outside of that, there's, it's amazing. Increasingly, people have never heard the Jesus story. The only reason they associate Jesus with faith is Christmas and Easter. In fact, there's a lot of folks that come to this church on those two Sundays because they know who Jesus is. It's a brave new world where people you may even know, in particular kids uh, of this Latest generation have never been exposed to not only the person of Jesus and his story, but the truths and the challenges of Jesus and the call to discipleship. That it's not like we flip a switch, but there's a gradual shift away from the Judeo-Christian tradition of our country into a secular worldview. And so we can't assume anything anymore. You know who Jesus is? He's another option in the pantheon of gods, including Mohammed or paths to the same God. Buddha, uh, there are others. And so now you have a choice. In fact, I read this, and you can do your own Googling and research on your own. Do you know that over half of the Christians in America today believe Jesus is simply one path, one of many paths to the one true God? Let me say it again, over half the Christians, people that claim to be Christian, believe Jesus is just one of many paths we're living increasingly in a post-christian culture and we can't assume that and it's foundational it's central it's also the fact that jesus claims exclusivity he's the only way to the father john 14:6 i'm the way the truth the life no one comes to the father but through me don't assume anyone believes that around you these days and so in the pursuit of tolerance and plurality as a culture, we've lost touch with not only who Jesus is, but what he teaches. It's a really big deal. And along with that, we've got to rethink how we approach the culture in terms of how we share our faith. And uh, a lot of us are not really comfortable in the first place sharing our faith. But in particular, when you'll be called narrow-minded, simplistic, and bigoted when you use the word Jesus or try to reach someone for Christ, uh, you're not going to say a word And we've got to deal with that new reality that we're outliers now and have no right to communicate the exclusivity of Jesus. So one of the opportunities we have is rethinking our strategy towards how we reach people that still haven't met Jesus. And uh, Johnny Benavides, Johnny, why don't you come on up? He knew I'd invite him up here at some point. (laughs) Johnny, we hired uh, almost a year ago for our assimilation and outreach position. Uh, You may never have met him in the octagon, but you've seen his smile. There it is. He's got the greatest smile. It's enough, Johnny, okay. This dude is is an awesome dude. But what he's doing is developing a new strategy for us as a congregation to look at, in this post-Christian, increasingly post-Christian culture, to look more uh, closely at ways we can share our faith. And of all the things Johnny's looked at, he's kind of landed on something called organic outreach. And he's going to be offering a class that begins next week, but it's more than a class. It's more than a program. It's going to be a grassroots movement here over time, and you'll hear more about that in the months to come. But, Johnny, uh, we want to just do a little Q&A here and uh, tell us a little bit about what organic outreach means.
3: Sure. So organic outreach, it's about living the kind of life that naturally draws people to Jesus. Um, it involves speaking the kind of words that you would, ordinary, that you would use ordinary in just plain conversations and revealing the presence of a loving God in those conversations. It means loving people in a way that's genuine. It also means that organic outreach is all about sharing our faith in a way that is authentic, that is real, and it feels natural to the people that are
0: around us. Yeah. Basically what you're saying is we want them to go door-to-door, two-by-two. Is that Kind of what you're thinking. Is that natural for you guys?
3: <laughs> no, no, so, so this class doesn't teach anything like that. Uh, but even though proclaiming the biblical truths is important, it's also about um, loving people, serving in our community out there and in this community. It's about modeling, the, it's about modeling um, Christ's grace to people and it's about building authentic relationships with people who don't know God as well or building authentic relationships with people who are far, far from God. Um, and so and it's all about telling the stories of God's power and presence in our lives.
0: Mm-hmm. So that looks like, what's that look like then? Yeah. Anything else?
3: Right. So, so basically it's about discovering natural ways uh, for regular, ordinary people, just like all mm. of us. We're, we're regular, ordinary people. Um, and, and it's about sharing God's love, God's grace, God's mercy, and doing that in a way where you are at right now, wherever you are in life, whatever job you have, wherever you are, there's a way for you to share that naturally, the way who God created you uh,
0: yeah. naturally. That's great. Yeah. Many of you are nice people, you know, most of you, okay, are nice people. It's not enough. It's not enough. I know a lot of nice people, and so where Johnny goes and the strategy goes is learning how to be a little more intentional about how to shape conversation with sensitivity to all the sensitivities we're dealing with today and maximizing our impact, not with people overseas or in California per se, although we love California, Um, it's the people closest to you and being more intentional. So, Johnny, we're excited to see that roll out, and we're going to we're gonna expose you to that in a variety of forms. Let's just okay. give Johnny a hand. Thank you, guys. Okay.
1: The second piece we want to keep in front of us is the transforming power of our faith. In the passage, it said uh, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And uh, as as Pastor Brian has said more than, than once, that we commit to what impacts us. And in Acts 2, they were devoted because of the impact it was making on them. And we want TFRC to be a vibrant community, but we also want TFRC to be a place where life change, where transformation happens. And if we were to be completely honest, uh, at TFRC, we are a lot better at giving information than expecting transformation. Many of us here at TFRC, we know a lot about Jesus and God's Word. In fact, a, a year ago, a group of us were in Egypt and Jordan and Israel learning more about the Exodus story. And there have been other groups uh, of people from TFRC who've gone to places like Israel and Turkey and Egypt, uh, have been to many of the places mentioned in Scripture to learn the context and culture of the Bible. So we know a lot. But there's a huge difference, a big difference, between information and transformation. Romans 2.12 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And this is something that as a community, TFRC, we need to get better at. And I'll just speak for myself. I'll begin with, with me. How am I different because of my relationship with Jesus as a pastor, it's easy for me to learn so that I can share it with you. And I can learn and share all those things without being changed myself. It's really easy to do, it's something that I struggle with. But if I'm not being transformed, if I'm not being, if my life isn't changing, how can I expect anyone else's life to be transformed?
2: You know. As a, as a pastor, this may be true for you, for you too as well, but when, when I'm preparing a, a message and I'm really good at, at looking at, I can do exegesis and I can look at the history and I can like pull out some interesting things out of scripture and maybe you guys think that's cool. I'm not sure. You can let me know later. Um, but what I've found is it's those moments where I'm studying myself for, for the next Sunday and then it hits me between the eyes and especially hits me here but when the text transforms me, then I feel like I can actually transform other people around me.
1: And I do. I think this is a great opportunity for TFRC to prioritize and expect life change. We talk a lot about believing in Jesus. Do we believe in Jesus enough to follow him? And one part of following Jesus is living like him, not changing our behavior to earn anything or simply increasing our morality But as we follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit transforms us. And questions that we want to be asking more and more here is how are we different because of our faith in Jesus? Nobody, nobody changes lives like Jesus.
2: Uh, The the third opportunity we are choosing to prioritize and communicate is community. Um, TFRC needs to be a place to learn who Jesus is, and a place that creates the space for the Holy Spirit to transform us. But we believe that that happens best in community. Um, it just, it, it's just, it's the best way that, that God has created us to work and grow is in community. We believe really that, that community is, is really the way that God created us. Yeah, go, did you have something? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> he does this a lot. I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, so so God really... Uh, created us to be in community, and we see that in Genesis 2. It's, it's the story of, of God placing Adam in the garden. And, and in the creation story in Genesis 1, it's the story of God creating something, and he says, Well, that's good. And then he creates something else, and he says, Well, that's, that's good too. And he continues to do this several times. And then he gets to a point where he says, Whoa, 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 that's not good. You know what that is? It's not good for the man to be alone in the garden. Now, some of us see that as a marriage analogy, and that's true. But I think it's bigger than that. It's God didn't create us to be alone. God created us to be in community together. It's the way that we were designed to be in community. And community really is the mode in which, in which God uses to grow our faith and, and show us our purpose. And, and we must do it together. Um, and guys community matters now here more than really ever before. If I can just say something based upon that, he, that that's completely right. And as
1: he said earlier, transformation happens best in community. And there's an attitude that, that happens in places like these sometimes where we get into thinking, well, you know, I can be a person of faith and not be a part of a community. I don't need church to worship God or to grow in my faith. And and part of me says, oh, well, okay, I guess. But I guess the question then is, why did Jesus spend three years to build a faith community? Yeah, he taught in those three years, and he healed, and he prayed. But more than anything else, when you go back and read what he did, Jesus invested in his disciples, and he formed a faith community because Jesus knew that faith grows best in community. And then the disciples, they turned around, and they did the same thing. They formed faith communities. Because faith transformation happens best in community.
0: Yeah, just to follow up on that, I think for a long time we've settled for community, and that's a good thing. You have a lot of friends, you have a lot of family, many of you in this church, but that's not what... The body of Christ has to offer fundamentally. It's that transformation piece. And and when you talk about the four by fours, heart to hearts too. I think we settle for relationships. It's good. It's better than what we have most other places. But is as Chuck says, is am I changing? And the only cause of that is because of my relationship with Christ or the, the reality of the Holy Spirit. I think that's where we've got to really double down and rethink our entire approach to how we relate to one another because I'm not sure it's at the point that it's changing us. It's supporting us. It's encouraging us. It's um, holding us accountable, maybe, <laughs> rarely. But the reality <laughs> is that that life change um, isn't happening. And that happens, as Chuck says, best, by far and away, best in community. Yeah, yeah. Right.
2: And, and if you l- kind of look at the world around us, we are in this new world, like we mentioned before, of social media, where for many of us, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram – That's actually our best community if we had to pick one. It would be social media. And on social media, we can have lots of friends. I think right now on social media, I have 500 best friends. I'm pretty sure, something like that. And you probably do too. But social media is not community, especially the kind of community that Jesus was talking about. And I'm not saying social media is bad, but social media is not the community that Jesus intended for us. Um, recently, the, the giant furniture and home supplier, you probably have, are, have heard of them before, Ikea, um, they recently pulled 12,000 12, people um, in their customer base, and they basically asked them one question. How do you prefer to communicate with other people? And they weren't talking about sales or something like that, just plain communication. And 70% of those people said they prefer to communicate with people online today instead of in person today. 70%. And why do most of us prefer to communicate online instead of in person? Because it's safe. It's safe to communicate online. If I have an opinion and it's a mean opinion, you can't reach through the screen and punch me, right? He can now. (laughs) That was tender, (laughs) it hurts. But really, there, there are some things Um, that we would say online that we would never say to someone's face. Isn't that true? It's just not true community. And and in many ways for TFRC today to prioritize community, it's now countercultural because of this, because it's considered unsafe. Even though it's unsafe, it's also the thing that we need the most. And our culture actually craves community while trying to push it away at the same time. And we need a community that's centered around Jesus. It's centered around transformation. And I think, personally, the Acts 2 church is a great model for what community is supposed to look like in the church. The thing that held the Acts 2 community together was what? Their love of Jesus. And so they cared for each other greatly, greatly. And they pushed each other on towards Jesus and modeling Jesus and trying to be Jesus to the world around them. And they admonished each other and helped each other when they struggled. And they loved each other no matter what. And honestly, guys, that's what we want here. We want our community to look something like that. You know, for a long time now, We've had these small groups we've been calling 4 by 4s and heart-to-hearts. And if you don't know what they are, basically they're gender-specific groups of three to five people. And in 4x4s and Heart to Hearts, we really, we really attempted to live out what this Acts 2 church looked like. To be centered around Jesus, to care for one another, to push each other on toward Jesus, to admonish each other when we struggle, and to love each other no matter what, every single step of the way. And today, our 4x4s and Heart to Hearts, they matter more than ever before. There is no other place that we can go in our lives today that has community potential and transformation potential like our four by fours in heart to hearts. No other place. It, if you are currently in a four by four in heart to heart, don't feel bad if you're not, but if you are, you are being countercultural just by being in a group like that. And you're also being a witness by being in a group like that. Because in a culture that lives on social media friendships, there is a deep desire for genuine friendships and people just don't know how to do that. Community doesn't make sense to people anymore. And so you are being a witness by being in a four by four and heart to heart and being honest in those groups and seeking Jesus and transformation in those small groups together. You know, if you're not in a four by four or heart to heart today, the opportunity for you today is to get in one, create a group. And if you don't know how that works, come talk to me. Honestly, we can get you in a group, we can build a group together and we can get you going. It's where transformation happens. You know, in fact, keep watching the bulletin because in a month or six weeks or something like that, we are going to have a four by four and heart to heart speed dating events, which I'm really pumped about.
0: Good so for you, I'm glad you're pumped. <laughs> I feel alone.
2: <laughs> But really, if you don't know how to get into one and you don't know people here, (laughs) speed dating might do it for you. We'll find out. It's going to be a blast. And you better not pick up a real date there. That's not what they're there for. He'll clarify that. (laughs) It's not
1: actual speed dating, just so you know.
2: (laughs) It might be. I don't know. But folks, if you're in a a 4 by 4 heart-to-heart right now, um, look at your group. Is your group really modeling what community looks like, or do we need to do a tune-up? Is it a social hour? Is that what it is? And I'm talking about my group too. Um, Is it just a social hour? Are we truly seeking transformation together in, in honesty and integrity and pushing each other forward in ways that only a small group like that can do? You know, the priority going forward here is that four-by-fours and heart-to-hearts um, needs to be firmly steeped throughout this community. Everyone should really be in one because our culture demands it
0: and needs it. Yeah, the, last, the last priority is uh, t- discovering a purpose for living. And, and uh, we, we talked a few weeks ago about the whole idea of calling, how somehow we feel calling is reserved for professional vocational ministry when in fact God has a call for each one of us on our lives that can transcend what we do for a living, that can transcend virtually everything else. It becomes the fundamental focal point of who we are. And again, stepping away culturally from where we've been, where we assumed faith, we communicated faith, if not directly, indirectly, into a secular culture now, where a lot of our kids are learning everything the culture has to teach them about consumerism and entitlement, and it's all about them. This is a radical countercultural proposal that, in fact, God has a purpose for their lives. And one of the things that I love about this place is for whatever reason, and, and you know, we give glory to God and the leading of the Holy Spirit, but he's set this place up to minister to a ton of uh, kids and teenagers and young families. We we serve between seven and 800 children and teens in the course of a year here. And you know all the growth that's going on around us. But we recognize the absolute significance of turning the culture around one life at a time, beginning with kids. We say this all the time, and it's not cliche. It's profound. Win the kids, win the culture. Anyone to take Anyone want to take issue with that? And so we've got to pour increasing inordinate amounts of energy and resources into this next generation if you want to see the culture change. Now I'm grateful that we care about every generation represented in this room. And we've worked hard at dealing with our seniors ministry, our visitation team, Young at Heart rocks. It's a great group. Some of you are in denial should be in that group every month. (laughs) But we want to prioritize the kids and the teens.
1: Yeah, win the kids, win when the culture. We're um, talking about transformation. We want to see the kids begin to be transformed at an early age. We don't want to wait for them to get to a certain age. We want to start as early as we possibly can. As they learn to follow Jesus, how their lives begin to change. Um, when we moved here, my kids were three years old, one year old, and um, my youngest wasn't even born yet. Uh, and they, they've grown up in this place. And now my kids are in high school and junior high. And again, they're not perfect kids. They've got flaws like all of our kids do. But, but they have a vibrant faith. And I would love, and my wife and I would love to take credit for that. Um, and we did play a role in that. But, but a lot of their firm faith foundation is because of this place. Because of TFRC's emphasis on forming that faith foundation. And my kids have a great faith foundation and their faith is greater because of TFRC. And look, a building is a building, but it's a big deal because it will give us the opportunity to give more kids that same kind of faith foundation as the community literally grows up around us here, here in Twin Falls.
2: Yeah, you know, in this series we talked a lot about the changing cultural landscape and that's impacting our kids perhaps more than it's impacting us. Um, there's, there's a poll recently done of a thousand Christian youth group going kids, right? And they went off to college, and the poll asked them, within the first two years of college, if they drank or not, you want to know what the stat was? 100%. 100%. The culture is, is really a force upon our kids, and we've got to do something about it. Um, and in this building, we can really concentrate on transforming our kids, giving them cultural competency, of uh, to handle this changing new world around them. And you know, you know, when I was a kid, um, if I was going to the grocery store, it's because my mom and dad were going to the grocery, store. I followed my parents everywhere. Um, if we we're going to go do something fun, it's because they wanted to, and I followed them along, right? It's it's kind of how it was. Um, if my parents were going to go do something boring, guess who got to come along? This guy did. It was a blast great childhood. It really was actually. Um, Things have changed. Things have changed. It's really flipped on its head. Parents follow their kids today. They do. If their kids are in sports, the parents are there with them. If their kid has an interest or love of something, the parents are there with them. It's how our culture has shifted in a lot of ways. And if we can reach these kids, we will reach the parents too. We really will. If we can show these kids Jesus and have them transformed by Jesus, the parents will tag along too. If the kids learn to love this place, the parents will come too. And that includes all these houses that are being built right around us as we speak.
0: You know, last week, Brett launched the uh, high school group, and there were 75 high school students here. And if you know anything about how high school kids uh, are pretty tribal, high school kids go where high school kids are. And it's also been proven that the larger a youth group is, the deeper a commitment becomes, because it becomes the peer pressure in a positive sense that uh, facilitates a deeper faith. There's all sorts of good stuff going on here. And this facility is, again, a tool, a means to an end that really matters. Let me give you just a couple of details about this, and we'll talk a little bit more next week as well. Um, if you haven't seen anything about the plans, they're in the Octagon. There's building committee people out there. Take a look for a minute. Um, you are going to get a letter, if you're a member, a regular tender here, who has a mailbox here. The letter will not be in your mailbox. The letter will be at your home. Tomorrow or Tuesday, there's a pledge card, a letter of explanation. For those of you that may be new to TFRC, don't have mailboxes, we'll provide next week the letters and the cards out at the information desk because we would love to you, you to contribute as well. And you have a couple of weeks, although sooner is really better. The deadline to uh, fill out a pledge card, cash or pledge over three years, is Sunday, October 1st in two weeks. So please get those cards in as soon as you can. But then on October 8th, we'll be announcing the total between cash and pledge of the facility. And we'll have a rocking moment as we see what God's about to do here. But I'm telling you, we've been a a part of a lot of projects. Many of you have been faithful through every one of these projects. And I would argue this particular project has the greatest potential of anything TFRC has ever done. Because we come to this hinge in history from Christian culture to post-Christian culture, and we, my friends, are serving an incredible God in the mission field called the Magic Valley. All the rules are changing, and we have a greater opportunity than ever before. I'm really psyched.
1: You know, the unprecedented challenges we talked about last week, they give us unprecedented opportunity to make an impact in the Magic Valley. There are all sorts of opportunities for us, and we can. We can renew our clarity of the uniqueness of who Jesus is. We can rekindle our expectation for life change because of Jesus. We can reemphasize that TFRC is where we belong, where faith formation happens best in community, and we can revitalize our sense of purpose to passionately model the life of Jesus Christ throughout the Magic Valley, understanding the importance of winning the kids, winning the culture. The challenges are daunting, yes, but we believe that the future is bright because of what God is leading us to do next. Please pray with us. And Lord, we come before you grateful for the opportunities that we see before us. And uh, Lord, I would ask that your spirit would move in each and every one of our hearts, that um, we would not be discouraged because of what's happening around us, but Lord, that we'd be encouraged to see what you are doing uh, amongst us and through us and in us. And so, Lord, I would, again, ask for your spirit to move uh, through, through each and every one of us in a powerful way, and that, we can, and that you can show us, and we can see, and we can join you Um, as you are at work here in the Magic Valley and through our community called TFRC. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen.